Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, an Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that decorates his house with candles on bungee cords. Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, Cortland. It's a good look. It is, but isn't it a fire hazard? I mean, probably, but they smell pretty. Oh, good. What kind of scent do you like in your house? Pumpkin! Uh, I don't really like pumpkin. It's that time of year, Cortland. Well, not anymore, because we're recording and it's November 1st. Halloween is officially over. We're done with it. Done. You can still have a pumpkin. I mean, pumpkin pie, Thanksgiving, that's the cutoff. After Thanksgiving, pumpkins, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I guess you're right. I know you really like pumpkin pie. I don't like pumpkin pie. Oh, pumpkin pie is the shit. I don't like it. It's good. They don't even make pumpkin pie in Australia, though, do they? They don't make anything good pie. Didn't they you just... say they only make meat pies? Yeah, they just jam meat in there. They don't know what to do with fruit. Man, I bet your fruit's really expensive over there anyway, though. Nah, it's alright. They have to import everything, don't they? I'm sure they grow some stuff. <laughs> uh, well, this isn't like an economic podcast, so... Could be. Could be kind of, you know... A little bit Are You Afraid of the Dark, a little bit Economics. can build our own little niche. I don't think anybody in the world would be interested in that. I wouldn't be. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> but we could do it. No one's going to stop us. No one's the podcast police. Yeah, the podcast police. That doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, shit. So, Brandon, did you do anything interesting or fun or exciting this week? I mean, I went trick-or-treating. Yeah, we did too. Tell me about your experience first. It's weird here, because Halloween's like just starting to become a thing. Yeah. There's there's a few houses scattered around, but you have to like find them. It's like a little adventure. You go and there's there's an island of houses in a pool of nothing. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's hot. It's spring. It's like 90 degrees. Uh... It's bright as hell. And, you know, there's not very many people out trick-or-treating. And, you know, in America, when you're trick-or-treating, you know which houses are the trick-or-treating houses. They got the light on, you go. But here, they don't have that. Because, like I said, it's (laughs) bright as hell. So you just hang on every door you can and hope that somebody has candy? Pretty much. (laughs) And there, there are... A not insignificant amount of people who are very resistant to the idea of Halloween here. They feel like it's like American culture encroaching on their beautiful Australian uh-huh. sensibilities. Yeah. So, you know, you go knock on doors or say trick or treat and they're like, go away. <laughs> like they're scared of you. Like, no, <laughs> no candy here. Go back to America. Oh. Well, that's no fun, man. I hope your kids still had a good time with it, though. Yeah, they got candy. It's alright. Oh, man. Um, so, what time does it get dark over in Australia right now? Um, right now, about three in the morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, it's, like, super bright out right now, and you're just, like, blinded by the sun? Yeah, I'm wearing sunglasses inside right now. That makes sense. You're just, like, Bono. Yeah. Just got to put on my sunscreen. Well, I got to say, and I posted this to our Instagram story. I hope you don't mind. But our trick-or-treating adventure last night was the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. It was like 30 degrees out. 
and snowing. Oh, that sounds so nice. It was freezing, actually. But that's insane. That it, The opposite? I remember it being chilly. Like, I'd have to yeah. wear a jacket and cover up my dope Halloween costume, and that would suck. But mm-hmm. snowing? It was snowing. Which, it doesn't snow every year on Halloween here, but this year, the it was we were graced with beautiful snow. I'm dreaming of a white Halloween. <laughs> Said nobody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sucked, though, because my favorite part of Halloween is to pass out candy and see all the kids' costumes because I'm an old man now. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's costumes were covered up. I did see one, though, that was... I, he didn't come up to our house, though, but it was a blow-up costume of Donald Trump in a diaper. And it was really why? cool looking, but he didn't come up and see me. But more importantly, why didn't he come up I don't see know. You? I was like, I have candy. And he was like, nah. No, thanks. <laughs> it was He was right outside my house. He just didn't come. <laughs> I don't know. Weird. So I didn't get to see any cool costumes. It was really unfortunate. How do you feel about older kids, teenagers, trick-or-treating? Some people have opinions. I'm okay with it. If they put a costume on, then that's cool. But if they don't have a costume... I don't know. I just assume that they're, like, doing it for their kid or something. I don't know. <laughs> Teenagers? Yeah, well, you never know these days. <laughs> they could be children in disguise, like Transformers or something. <laughs> Who knows? You know, I was going to ask you a question. Um, do, do you remember what your, like, most ridiculous Halloween costume was? Ridiculous in what way? Like, okay, so... You remember Breath of Fire 2, how I made you play that game? Yeah, great game. Yeah, before I met you, I think it was the year before we met, uh, I wanted to be a hoodlum for Halloween. I had a leather jacket on, I made my mom put like a a scar like down my eye, mm-hmm. but she was like, what color do you want? And I was like, I don't know, blue. So I had a blue scar down my eye, it was ridiculous. Wow. And I wanted to be it because I played Breath of Fire 2, and one of the enemies' names was Hoodlum, and I liked it. Yeah, no, of course. I think that was probably my most ridiculous costume. Random enemy in an RPG. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from, from a few years before that probably nobody in, had, that I knew played. Yeah. It was great. But I had a leather jacket on, so... I went one year as The Crow. Oh, you win. From the movie The Crow. And yeah. I was like, I don't know, eight years old? How mm-hmm. the hell did I know what The Crow was? I wonder the same thing about today. <laughs> did I kids. watch The Crow? Who yeah. let me watch The Crow? I don't know, man. You win, though, for sure. Well, it's not a contest, but yeah, I win. <laughs> I wonder the same thing about kids going as, like, it. Because I seen a Pennywise last night. A mm-hmm. little girl Pennywise. And I was like... You don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they've seen some YouTube video. Oh. It's a meme, I'm sure. Yeah, I did see somebody going as Georgie. Um, Not last night, but we went out somewhere else to trick-or-treat. And there was a Georgie. Then I was just, I thought the same thing. I was like, you don't know what that is. Did they have one arm tucked into their raincoat? No, they just had a raincoat with like a balloon and a paper, paper boat. Boo. I know. Go all the way. Lose an arm. I know. Seriously. For realsies. But yeah, that was our um, Halloween excursion last night. It was not plentiful, but 
uh, very cold and horrible. So there, yeah. Halloween's cool. I like it. Yeah, me too. It's pretty great. Well, do you want to get into this episode? We're going to have to at some point. I know. Yeah. Well, Brandon and I just got done watching The Tale of the Phone Police. <laughs> oh, man. What do you <clears> think <throat> about this episode, Brandon? It's what I thought it would be. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and uh, still, a little let down, I'll be honest. Well, we've had some really good episodes this season so far, so I, I mean, we're bound to get a stinker. I would. I don't even know if I. Well, maybe I would. <laughs> maybe See, I would say it's a stinker. I don't know. My problem with this is I can't tell if I just flat out don't like this episode, or if I think that it's so bad I love it. I can't tell. I don't know. <sighs> I'm gonna repeat something I say a lot. Yeah. And I really like the concept. It's a cool concept. Yeah, I guess so. Like, it well, is. I like the... I, there's a factor in here that I love. It's a weird concept, but, like, where else in Are You Afraid of the Dark are you going to get, like, a jailbreak episode? Um, yeah. You remember that one time in the tale of the Sorcerer's Apprentice when you were like, oh, what kind of school would have an abandoned pool? And I was like, remember that. Yeah. Okay. Remember the jailbreak thing. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Log that one away. Y- yeah, I can't quite remember, but uh, just remember that. Yep. Brandon will remember that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Um. so this episode is very dated. I mean, this wouldn't happen today, obviously. I don't, I'm sure they could make like a Black Mirror episode about this or something. I don't know, because I don't watch Black Mirror, but I hear it's like, about technology and stuff um, yeah, or whatever. They could make an episode about it, but that would be stupid. Yeah. This episode <laughs> And they shouldn't. Nobody has landlines anymore. There's I mean, I don't even have a telephone book in this house. It's dated. Which is fine. Yeah, people people say that about the whole phone things, like, oh, that's story couldn't happen. But if a story takes place in a time where there aren't cell phones everywhere, then it's not dated. No, you're right. It's like That's the uh, technology they had at the time. It's like a time capsule to 1994, you know? Yeah. For what My biggest is... issue with this episode is probably that the acting is almost universally terrible. Yeah, for sure. Might be some of the worst. That was kind of the charm that I like about it, though. Yeah? I, I think that's why I think it's so bad it's good. There are some line reads that I got enjoyment out of. It's like a of. really bad movie. Yeah, me too. That's that's how you're going with that one? Okay. Sure. <laughs> it reminds me of just like a really bad movie that Riff Tracks would, Riff Tra- or Mystery Science Theater would take out. <laughs> they would talk about this one and it would be a really funny episode. They should do it. Do you want to get into this episode now? Let's no? do it! Alright, let's get into the tale of the phone boys. Alright. Alright. So the episode begins, and there's some really fun camera shots going up right here in the Midnight Society. And you know what? There's a couple of fun camera shots in the the episode in general. Because we get this one that's up high, and it's angled. So we're, like, above the campfire, and we can see the campfire and the storyteller throne, and then a few kids sitting around. It's got Gary, Sam, Betty Ann, and Kiki. They're already sitting around the campfire. And then up walks Frank, and he asks Gary who's going tonight. 
But Betty Ann's like, well, it's going to be Tucker. Already. So I got to say, Brandon, good job. You guessed it right. It was Tucker. Yeah. If you guess names randomly, then sometimes you'll be right. Yeah. Good job. Good job. This is like the first time, so which is why I remembered it. Half the time I'm like, yeah, okay, Brandon. And I just forget who you even say. <laughs> Gary starts this episode by checking his watch next to the fire. That's weird because everybody's there according to him. Yeah, it is weird. Maybe they were waiting for Frank. Maybe let's say Frank just came out of the forest and... The thing is, though, he needs to get his shit together. This is his club. He has the power to demand that everybody's there on time. He exerted his power to get his brother in the club. Yeah. So we know he can do it. He could. He could do anything he wanted, really. He's Gary. He's Gary. Well, Kiki asks Gary where his sweet little bro is, and Frank's like, you mean he isn't here yet? I knew that little puke was going to be trouble. And Gary tells the gang, don't worry, he's here. As we hear a phone ring. And the kids all look confused. And Sam's like, uh, am I missing something? And Gary pulls out the world's first cordless phone. And he answers it saying, Tucker, we're all set. And we hear Tucker's phone distorted voice say, okay. (laughs) So did Gary tell tucker when he was telling him about this club like all right you're gonna have to set up pranks and like you know bookends for your story and things that tie thematically with your story yeah i mean tucker seems like the little shit that's gonna do this kind of stuff and not this but like somewhat elaborate pranks and stuff like anyway but this is just really out there yeah because Gary steps up to the throne, and he pulls out some sort of portable phone speaker that amplifies Tucker's voice, I guess. Yeah, I was it's just like, like a dock. What kind of bullshit is that? I don't understand. I don't know. Where's he plugging that thing into? Where are they getting a reception, like a signal? Obviously, this is just the recording of his voice, but still. They're out in the middle of the woods, and you're telling me you're getting a cordless phone? <laughs> like, you can't step outside of your house and have the <laughs> That doesn't make any sense, but whatever. (laughs) It's fine. He says, okay, go ahead, after he connects all the wires and Tucker can project his voice, I guess. Tucker asks everybody if they can hear him, and Kiki and Sam say, yeah. So Tucker continues saying, okay, I'm telling my story this way because... Oh my god, this part. Tucker says, I'm telling my story this way because if you think about it... A telephone is probably the scariest thing in your house. (laughs) I mean, if you have social anxiety, that's not wrong. Yeah, that's true. We did have a teacher that said he was afraid of a telephone. (laughs) We did. (laughs) We didn't believe him, of course, but... And Frank doesn't either, because Frank's like, say what? And Tucker's recording, because, I mean, it's got to be a recording. In-universe or out-of-universe? Oh, out-of-universe, sorry. Out of universe, it's a recording, but Tucker says, You may feel safe with your doors and windows locked, but all someone has to do is dial your number. You answer your phone, and bingo, they're inside. Sam says, But it's just their voice, and Tucker's like, Yeah, but when you pick up that phone, you made a connection. <laughs> and the kids look honestly annoyed at this. It is <laughs> a bit look dumb. a little bit upset. It, it is, yeah. Tucker tells, them, tells us that the connection might be it might be to a place you don't want to be connected to. I'm annoyed by it. I'm annoyed this by is, it, too. This is like his second week here, and pardon the pun, but he's already phoning it in. Nah. He's not even He's not even there. 
sitting and telling his story. No. He's like, Gary, you just you is- set this up and I'll just like I'll just be at home playing video games like and then uh and then they went to the the place and I don't know, it was an old guy. He's probably at home playing David's Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, David doesn't need it. He's no. out of the universe. First, Tucker stole his Game Boy, and then Tucker stole his spot in the Midnight Society. What Tucker sees, he gets. <laughs> well, Tucker asks Gary if he's got the pouch, which of course Gary does because he loves his pouch. And then he says, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story. Tale of the phone. Gary throws in the powder because Tucker is a fucking disembodied voice. Gary's just, uh, he's just there to, like, if someone's, uh, sick and has to have their story read, or if someone's on a phone, or if someone's like, I'm tired today. Gary, you handle this. (laughs) He does it, and with a smile on his face. Yes. (laughs) Okay, I'll do it. So, this episode starts out, and I was worried that we were going to get this shitty voiceover from Tucker, because he, I mean, like, three episodes ago, he gave us the longest voiceover ever, but thankfully, they made the decision not to have any voiceovers at the start, so that was good on them. Very good. And it saves minutes on his phone. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Forgot about that part. The story begins, and we're outside of a house with... This big cathedral-looking windows. It's a very nice house. And when we zip inside, and then we we get a look at this shitty, giant red phone. What is that phone? I don't know, man. It's like a giant dinner plate with buttons on it. <laughs> it must have been like a stylish phone that... I don't understand what style it's going for. I, I don't know, man. Just like hideous put-me-in-a-children's-room phone. I don't know. So this kid picks it up, and he beep-boops in a couple of numbers, and this scene keeps going from outside where somebody's, like, first person looking at the kids, zipping mm-hmm. back inside to the kids. It's really stupid. Um, it's tension building, except it doesn't build any tension. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so the person's outside, they're looking inside, you know, whatever. We go back inside, and then someone's on the other end of this phone, they say hello, and then the kid just slams the phone down because he gets scared, whatever. And he picks up the entire phone. He moves it over to his friend who's sitting on his bed. And then he tells him, okay, you go. And the friend's like, what are you scared of? And he boops in some random number. And then the original kid holds the receiver up to his face, even though he was like, okay, it's your turn. But yet he's doing it again. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. No. Regardless, some lady answers the phone. So the kid says, hello? This is the Acme Appliance Company. Is your refrigerator running? And the lady's like, yeah. So the kid tells her that she better run after it before it gets away. And then he sets the phone gently down. No one laughs. And his friend tells him that that was fucking lame. Yeah, rightly so. And it was lame, yeah. So these two friends, they're, they're the main characters of the story. They're Jake and chris and jake has this like 90s bowl cut he's got like a yellow collared shirt and uh i don't know he kind of sucks it's kind of sucks a lot <laughs> yeah there's nothing cool about jake chris on the other hand he is cooler 
But it's not saying a lot because mm. he also kind of sucks. Yeah, he, they're both bad actors. Yes. he. Chris wears these sweatshirt hoodies that are way too big for him. But uh, at least his hair's cooler, I guess. I don't know. There's really no describing these kids. They're very boring. Chris reminds me vaguely of Jed from Full Moon. Yeah, I kind of thought this. Which same. means by proxy, he very vaguely reminds me of Edward Furlong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the connection, and I actually thought the same thing. So you're good. But man, how old do you think these kids are? Like ten? Eleven? Ten? Yeah. Okay. I think that might be one of the reasons why I don't know if I like this episode so much because the main characters are very unrelatable. They're uninteresting for the most part. Did you look at Jake's room? I did a little bit, but there's nothing of interest in there. Outside of his weird-ass plate phone, he has, like, a poster of a snowboarder. He's got a model ship. He's got a piano cup or something. He's got a picture of a dog on a coat rack. It's just (laughs) all incredibly random things. You don't really get any impression. Like, who is this boy? What are his interests? He has no interest. What is his personality? He's just nothing. That's the problem, yeah. Uh, He likes to make prank phone calls, I guess. I guess. I guess that's a life. Sure. (laughs) So Jake tells Chris that, well, he'll show him how it's done. So he grabs the phone he starts dialing a number and he gets an answer from a lady and starts in. He starts in with an ad saying, "Hello to you, ma'am. This is radio radio station KZIT, KZIT, and you have just been selected to be one of our lucky contestants." And then we see a shot of Chris where you can see out the window of the room, and if you look closely, you can see something moving out there. And I don't know if that was intentional, if it was the first person person that's you know doing the tension building. Or if it's just a cameraman, like, moving in the reflection. I don't know what it is. But you can see a little bit of something moving very quickly. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. Sure. <laughs> we look outside and the person's moving in closer to their window. Jake continues his joke now. He's saying, uh, now to qualify for your all-expenses-paid dream vacation, all you have to do is answer an easy question. We switch back to the person outside who's going up to the front door of the house, and they open it up. And then Jake throws the... I say this in quotes, joke, at this person on the phone saying, Listen carefully. In centimeters, exactly how wide is Antarctica? Ah, uh, yeah. H- hilarious. Yeah. They, Any person on the phone would be like, well, I can hear your voice and you're clearly a child, so yeah, right. click. <laughs> Jake tells the, the lady she's got ten seconds, and then we zip back to the, pers- the first person camera, and they're walking down the hall to the house. And then back with the kids, Chris tells Jake that his joke isn't funny while he tells the ma'am to hurry up because this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance and they don't want it to slip away. And on the phone, the, 80, the lady's like, oh, dear, I don't know. So Jake tells her to hurry. She's only got, you know, four, three, two, one. And then a lady in business casual outfit <laughs> comes in. She says, cut, and grabs the phone from Jake. He jumps up. And he's asking her what she's doing, but she's like, oh no, what are you two doing making prank calls again? Why are they making prank calls? It doesn't seem like they're really having a good time. Their prank calls suck. Jake seems to enjoy it. Jake does. Chris doesn't. And that's okay. I used to do prank phone calls, actually. Oh yeah? Any good? I didn't call people, though. Oh yeah. I used to call businesses, because that was more fun. You know, they had to stay on the line for the most part, especially if you were good at it. I remember this one time I called up 
a Walmart and, um, you know, I was trying to, this was like over a decade ago. I think I called up Walmart and I pretended to be an old lady that was stuck in the bathroom. So I called them up and I was like, Oh, somebody please help me. I don't have any toilet paper. And the, the people were like, well, where are you? And I was like, I'm in the bathroom. People keep coming in and laughing at me. They're like, oh my Jeez. God, we'll be right there. And I was like, please hurry. It's so stinky. And that's the kind of stuff I enjoyed doing. <laughs> that's a life, I guess. Yeah, it was fun. I called up like, you know, bowling alleys. And I can't really remember who else I called. It was a lot of places. I was a maniac. <laughs> i like the stories though yeah me too kim was like you're gonna tell the story about when you called walmart being an old lady is stuck in the stall aren't you and i was like yeah of course i am she's like good because that's why i married you i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> like, all right honey yep i'm gonna put that in so <laughs> So this this girl that interrupts this prank phone call shenanigans, her name is Annie, and it's Jake's sister. And she's also a bad actor. She might be the worst of them all, actually. Yes. Yes, I think so. She is something. She's something. I don't know what it is. She's I don't something. I like it. She's got... like. She's... I hope you don't. <laughs> I can't tell if she's 15 or 37. I... <laughs> yeah she gives off that vibe yeah i don't know i can't place her age she's a um, middle-aged woman playing what i think is supposed to be maybe a 16 year old yeah like she just got out of the office <laughs> i don't know man she's got like i don't know long hair i don't i don't even remember <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll put a picture up uh, of her on Instagram because she is pivotal to this story regardless. She is. Yeah. <laughs> so she just caught Jake making prank phone calls and Jake lies saying that he was trying to reach mom and dad. But his big sister, Annie, she doesn't buy that. She tells him, look, pal. And she points the phone at it. <laughs> she points the phone receiver at her. She's like, I'm in charge. <laughs> she uses it to point at herself. I don't know. So I'm in charge while they're on vacation, so stop acting like a little wart. And then she turns to look at Chris, and she's like, I can't believe you're letting him talk letting him talk you into doing this shit. And then we look back, back over at Jake, who begs his sister not to tell her, their parents about this. And she's like, forget mom and dad. You're going to be tagged by the phone police, you zero. And Chris is like, the phone police? Oof. Yeah. The kids run out of the room to chase after Annie, who's now in the kitchen, pulling out this dull green drink out of a pitcher. That drink looked delicious. Who the poem police are? You think it? I thought it looked like the most watered down Kool Aid I've ever seen in my whole life. I think it looked delicious. And she, as a grown woman, (laughs) came home from a hard day's work and poured herself a very sophisticated glass of slime lime Kool Aid. Oh my god! You know what? You probably do think that looks good because you're in Australia and they don't have anything good to drink. You're not wrong. It looks like fucking cucumber water or something. <laughs> I don't know. She closes the refrigerator door, saying, "You're kidding, right? You've never heard of the phone police." And then she pours herself a drink out of that most tasteless-looking shit. Mm-mm. And Chris and Jake shrug and they're saying, "Uh, no." And Annie sets down the picture, saying, "Well, the phone police has certain rules of operation. You don't leave it off the hook." 
You don't let it ring too long. Remember that. And you don't make stupid calls like my blunt little brother. We've had quite a few antagonistic brother-sister-sibling relationships, but this one may be the worst. She's constantly yeah. making comments about how she wishes he didn't exist or would just disappear. Yeah, and you know what? He is not reciprocating these feelings. No. He's not like, oh, I wish you would die. He's like, hey, big sis, want to hang out? <laughs> She's like, no, I have a business meeting in a half an hour. She's like, no, go eat glass. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jake tries assuring Chris that she's making she's the making shit up, but Annie's like, You think so, eh? Well, keep messing with the phone and you'll end up like the Baxter kid. Chris asks who the Baxter kid is, and Annie laughs, saying, Billy Baxter. Happened a long time ago. He was making prank phone calls, and the phone police got him. And then she pours that putrid drink down the drain where it belongs. Oh my god. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I don't even think she not only, drink out of it. She didn't. Not only did she not put the jug away, she poured herself the <laughs> cup and then just left it on the counter. Then she just pours it right down the sink. <laughs> what? Why the hell did you even get the glass out in the first place, Annie? I loved that. <laughs> God damn it. Such a waste. I don't get it. <laughs> Are you thirsty or are you not? <laughs> She's going to be parched. She's going to wither away like the old woman that she is. <laughs> we look over at the two kids and Jake says, oh, give me a break. And Annie tells them it's true. They never saw him again. Jake asks how she knew all this and Annie tells them everybody knows about the Baxter kid. Except you, my vacant sibling. Shut up. And then she laughs a little bit. She picks up another phone and says, you mess with the phone, you answer to the phone police. And then she slams it down and says, you want to make a call? And Chris seems to get spooked by this, and he's like, okay, I gotta go. And Annie's like, well, at least one of you has some brains. That's the nicest thing she says in the entire episode. She is almost nice to Chris, I guess. Not really, but... No. Almost. Jake asks Chris if he actually believes this stuff, and we see Chris gathering his backpack and his coat and stuff, and Chris says, it doesn't matter, it's no fun anyway, I'll see you tomorrow. So Jake calls for Chris for like a second, and then says to himself, phone police? Yeah, right. Stupid. <laughs> I liked that line. <laughs> this kid's stupid. <laughs> phone police? Yeah, right. Stupid. But then he looks down at a, a phone book with a giant globe and phone on it, and this thing is gigantic. He grabs it. It is fucking enormous. It is a, so big. It's like a Stephen King book. It's crazy. He grabs it. He runs to his room. He hops on his bed with that giant fucking book. He starts thumbing through it, reading off some names. We get to look at the writing in this book, and we see Billy Baxter's name, who is much bigger and bolder than all the other names on the page. And we see his phone number, which is... 311299, which is too short to be a phone number, and Jake says that mm -hmm. out loud. He picks up his phone, and he starts dialing the numbers, and someone picks up on the other line, and they say, help me, someone, help me! And Jake gets scared, and he puts the phone down. Yeah. We time travel tonight. Jake's sleeping in his bed, and his phone rings, so he wakes up and answers it. But why is that phone on his bed? I don't get it. He's got a lot of calls to make. He's a very important person. Yeah, VIP for sure. So he answers the phone, and the person on the other line says, Hey kid, you gotta help me. And Jake doesn't help him. He slams the thing on the, <laughs> slams that phone down, 
and he goes back to sleep. But a few moments later, the phone rings again, and Jake answers it again. It's nobody on the other end this time. So he lays back down, he gets all comfy, and then the phone rings again. And then this time, Jake unhooks the receiver from it, but it still rings. So he puts the disconnected receiver up to his ear, and he asks, Who are you? And the voice tells him, You know who I am. I'm Billy Baxter. You called me. You gotta help. But Jake slams that shit down. The phone rings some more. He yanks on the cord and he pulls it out of the receiver some more. And then he just throws everything to the ground as we hear Billy Baxter pleading for help. It's ridiculous. Yeah, just stop answering the phone, dude. Yeah, just, I don't know, put it outside of your room. You'll be fine. Just, like, put a pillow over your head. You'll be all right. Whatever. We switch scenes. (laughs) It's daytime outside. It's raining. Jake and Chris are walking down the sidewalk and talking about what happened. Chris tells Jake it was Annie. She must have been pulling your chain. But Jake's like, it was unplugged. How could she make it ring? Chris is like, I don't know. Maybe it was a dream. And then they walk by a phone booth that starts ringing. And Chris tells Jake to answer it. And Jake says, no, you. (laughs) So Chris does. Neither of them have to. No, they can just walk away from it. Just don't answer it. Mm -hmm. That solves all the problems of this episode. I like this episode because Chris says hello and then looks at Jake and says, that guy last night, did he sound like this? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's just another guy screaming for help. (laughs) He lifts the receiver to to Jake's ear and we hear Billy Baxter pleading for more help. He's saying like, you got to get me out of here. And Jake tells Chris to lose this. We got to do something. So Chris hangs that shit up and the kids run away. He loses it. So next up, we're on an escalator, and this takes way too long. There's a lot of parts in this episode that just take way too long. We watch them, like, ride this escalator up, and an escalator is not that fast. So it's just them scooting up some stairs for, like, a minute. It's also not that exciting. No, it's not. We hear some menacing music that starts playing, and we get a look at this gigantic rotary phone statue that just says phone company on it. (laughs) It's ridiculous. They're at Phone Company. Sure. Hello. Welcome to Phone Company. (laughs) Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your phone company manager. Thank you so much for listening to our episode covering the tale of the phone police. If you're interested, you can support our show and get some awesome rewards, such as stickers, early release episodes, bonus episodes, and more. Just visit patreon.com slash private island, select your tier, and join the patron family today. Each tier has their own rewards available to them, with all tiers getting a sticker sent to them and access to our early release episodes. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Golden Bostics Michael, Bryce, and Kathy, the Silver Goth Brett, and the Bronze Beth Angela. Thank you so much, everyone. Brandon and I greatly appreciate your support. Are you looking for more Are You Afraid of the Dark? You need to check out our Instagram and Twitter. That's at Private Island Presents on Instagram and at PRVT Island on Twitter. Brandon makes gifts each week for our episodes, and they're honestly some of my favorite parts of doing this show. And if you haven't seen them yet, you should check out our profile. We've got almost 30 weeks of custom gifts for your viewing pleasure. We've also recently started Are You Afraid of the Dark Meme Fridays. So if you like memes, you like Are You Afraid of the Dark, well, we got you covered. We also have a Facebook group, and we'd love for you to join. 
You can find it by either clicking the Linktree link in the episode description or searching for Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. Request to join and start chit-chatting with us. Fan interaction is the best. Speaking of the Linktree link, this has quick and easy access to everything we've got. You can find our merch store, YouTube channel, social medias, an invite to the Podcast Junkie Discord server, where you can find all sorts of podcasts and chat with podcast creators, make some new friends. It's a fantastic resource if you're a podcast creator or if you're thinking about making a podcast. So check it out and make some new buddies. If emailing is your thing, you can always shoot us an email at privateislandpresents at gmail.com. I respond to every email, so if you've got a question you want to ask us about the podcast, about creating podcasts, or if you just want to know us a little better, we're always happy to get an email. I'm currently working on a fun new bonus episode. It's quite a bit different from our normal episodes, so it might take me a little bit more time to edit it, but it should be a lot of fun. I'll give you some more information and announcements at a later time, so stay tuned. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Home Sweet Home from Earthbound, composed by Hirokazu Tanaka. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork for our show. Now, I'd like to play a promo for one of my personal favorite podcasts with two of my favorite hosts, Kay and Warren. It's the Tone Deaf Podcast where a theater nerd brings the world of musicals to their uncultured husband's life. Take a listen. Hello, listeners. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm Musically Challenged. We host a podcast every Wednesday called Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. Join us as I introduce Warren to musicals he's never seen and test his knowledge about musical theater. You have to have knowledge in order to be tested. You've come a long way, babe. Now you know that Andrew Lloyd Webber created Cats and not West Side Story. Is that the one with the cobras? And we still have a ways to go. Tune in every Wednesday to Tone Deaf. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to our show. And I hope you all have a very happy Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. We move past that gigantic ass statue and there's this lady sitting at the desk filing her nails and she looks like I hate her. She looks like you hate her? Yeah. She looks like somebody I don't want to know. I just don't like her. Okay. She's got old lady glasses and just a condescending attitude and she just seems like one of those people in life where you just don't want to engage with them at all. And... I don't know if I'm weird or not about like this kind of stuff, but if I see like say a grumpy old woman or a grumpy old man, sometimes I like to just like take a step back and be like, okay, one time in their life or more, they laughed, you know, they were happy at one point. Maybe. I have to think about that before I go up and talk to those kind of people. Like they once laughed or cried or showed some sort of emotion, unless I guess they're robots, in which case... They could be. I mean, you could be a robot and you didn't tell me. I wouldn't tell you, no. Nah, I wouldn't tell you either. I'd be like, let's make a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what if we were both robots and we didn't know it? We could have been like broing out talking about being robots this whole time. Like we didn't know we were robots or we didn't know each other were we robots? We didn't know each other were robots. Dude, that'd be, I don't know, like a tragedy, I guess. 
so much wasted time. I think I th- I don't think you are a robot though because last time I checked you aged a little bit. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, man. We get up to the desk with this bitchy old woman and I have to look I didn't think she was that bad. I'm trying Maybe to Maybe I need to watch the episode again, but she just seemed like a receptionist at phone company. <laughs> it's not the grandest job in the world. She's not giving it her all. Her her pre- people skills aren't the best. Well, let's put it into perspective. She's the only receptionist at phone company. She's the which... only employee ever. <laughs> at phone company. Everybody yeah. else is in another department. Yeah, and like they took that escalator up like they're in a shopping mall, so that she probably gets quite a bit of traffic at phone company. You would think. There's no evidence of it in this episode. It's a pretty big building, I guess. It's a big lobby. Jake and Chris walk up to her, and Jake asks where he can get more information about this number. And then he slips a piece of paper to her. Chris tells her it's only six numbers, so we were wondering if it was a foreign number or something. And the lady tells him, it's not foreign. It's old and discontinued. So Jake takes the paper back and says, it can't be. We just called it and got somebody. And then the lady's like, you called it and got somebody? And Jake's like, well, it's sort of. It was kind of all staticky. But someone was there, and they started calling me back. And the lady stares at the kid for like half a second before saying, the record department is in the basement. They'll take care of you. And then she gives them this little smile and she points to where they should go. Jake says thanks. Chris waves and the kids walk away as this bitch presses a silent panic alarm. <laughs> okay, I'll give it to you. This part of her of her life, sentencing these kids to eternal damnation, yeah, <laughs> is kind of a mark against her. I'll be honest. Yes, it is. I mean, it's not just these kids. She's ready to eternally damnate every child. Yeah, as long as they call this one number. Next up, we see the kids exit an elevator into a grungy basement hallway. And Chris asks where to go. And Jake points forward saying there, because that's the only place that they can go. There's a desk in front of them. Jake walks up and dings a little bell and they wait for somebody to answer it. And they look around and there's like some boxes and bookshelves and stuff behind the counter and it doesn't really fucking matter and there's also this big giant door and jake asks chris for the number so he reaches into his backpack and he gives it to him but then chris drops some shit on the ground so he kneels down to put his stuff in his backpack or whatever i don't know some old ass man walks around the corner on the other side of the desk and asks jake what he can do for him because he doesn't know chris is there so Jake tells the old man that the lady upstairs said that you can help me find who this number belongs to, and he hands the old man the number. And keep in mind, Chris is still on the ground rummaging around in his backpack for some reason. And the old man grabs it and says, I see, we don't get very many of these nowadays. And he lifts the countertop up saying, come on back. So Jake does, <laughs> without Chris. An idiot. Yeah, he's an idiot, yes. He's like scared of the phone call. Where a guy's just like, hey, kid. But they're in this spooky dungeon where an old man's like, come on back to this prison cell. <laughs> like, that that door there is clearly like a jail door. It very clearly is, yeah. And Jake's and he's like, just oh, like, all right. Yeah, sure. Good. sure. I mean, I'm at phone company. I'm safe. Jake goes back there without Chris. And then the old man gets all mean saying, using the phone to tell a couple of jokes, huh? Jake's like, what? And the old man says, just stand there, young fella. We'll take care of you. <laughs> I like how Jake says what. <laughs> He's like, what? It's 
I can't do it, but it's just really, it's a ridiculous, it's ridiculous. Everything in this episode's ridiculous, so we'll just, we'll just copy paste this whole episode. You can listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So Chris tries to ask Jake what's going on, like on the other side of this counter thing, because Jake could easily slip under that counter and run away. There's nothing there to stop him. There's no gate. There's nothing between Chris and Jake at this point. He can literally duck down and run away. But he doesn't. Maybe Annie's right about this kid. Yeah, she's not wrong. <laughs> he doesn't try to get she away is, at all. Though. And two officer dudes come marching out. And these two officer dudes are like, Jake O'Brien, phone police. And we see their badges. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> They're shitty little phone police badges. <laughs> The guy's name is John White. (laughs) And then Jake screams, what? As two grown-ass men manhandle this kid and carry him away behind a door that slams shut after them. And Chris sees this shit and he just runs away as Jake is tossed into a fucking prison cell. And Jake's screaming. He's like asking like, what the fuck is this shit? And the old man (laughs) flips open the little peephole to his cell door and he says, you'll figure it out. I know, because you're a real smart kid. You got here quicker than anyone ever has. And then he laughs. That is hilarious. (laughs) He's going to be there forever. (laughs) He made a prank call and he's doomed. (laughs) He made an innocent prank phone call. It wasn't even funny. No. Oh, how big is Antarctica? Well, you're in prison for life. <laughs> you mildly inconvenienced one person for like almost a minute to prison with you for life. Oh my god. So we get this commercial break, right? And then coming back from commercial break, we return to the cell with Jake and he's crying for help from Chris and the camera is shot uh, from the ceiling. So we're like looking down at him as he's walking through the cell we get to see Jake in his little toilet, <laughs> and there's a phone in Jake's cell, and it rings, so he runs over to grab it, he picks it up, and he's like, hello? And the voice on the other line is Billy Baxter's, and he's saying, don't bother shouting, no one can hear you, I know, I've tried. And Jake's like, who is this? And Billy says, have you forgotten already? It's Billy Baxter. <laughs> yeah, it's your buddy Billy. Hey, What's going on, man? I'm the reason you're in this mess. <laughs> hey you want to go hang out later oh wait you're Uh, in prison we can't believe ourselves (laughs) so jake says oh man what is this place why am i here and billy tells jake he never should have messed with the phone now they've got you and jake's like no i'm gonna call my parents but billy shits on that plan saying not on that phone he tells him that this phone only takes incoming calls which is just very convenient for this plot i don't understand why there has to be a phone in the cell at all that's a good point i don't get it either Jake's like, but you called me, and Billy explains that it's because Jake called him in the first place, and maybe Jake will get lucky, so stay on the phone, maybe somebody will hear you someday, ha 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 and Jake's like, wait, don't hang up, but then Billy hangs up. Yep, and that's Billy Baxter. I mean, this is where I was like, why would Billy be mean to this kid? Why, when Jake called him, didn't he say, hey kid, don't call this number, if you keep talking to me and investigate further, you're going to be taken away forever. It doesn't make any sense. He, Billy knows what's going to Billy wants out. Billy doesn't get out, though. He does. It's not like Jake took his place. That's exactly what happens. How do you know that? Because 
what happens later when Annie tells the story. Okay, I have a problem with that, though. So you're saying Jake took his place, so Billy got out, and then the phone number got changed to be Jake's, right? I guess. But in there, while Jake is in his cell, there's another kid that gets like, no, please, get, and he gets put into a cell, <laughs> yes. and Jake's just like, oh my god, I gotta get out of here. So if that were the case, then the number would have changed to that kid. Look, I don't know phone police logic, but we're not dealing with just a weird bureaucracy. Like, I don't want to get into spoilers, but timelines change. Existences yes. change. Yes. This isn't just about law and order. No, it makes no fucking sense. No. Well, we're going to get to that point just here in a second, because we zip back over with Chris, who's running down the street like he's swimming through an Olympic-sized pool, and he runs up to Jake's house, and he rings the doorbell, and inside, Annie's like, yeah, yeah, hang on. And then she answers the door. Chris runs inside, saying, Annie, Annie, they got Jake, just like you said. It. It's the phone police. We and then we look at Annie, and her face looks like a confused mess. And Chris <laughs> continues saying, we went to the phone company. But Annie interrupts him. And she's like, who are you and how do you know my name? Yeah. And Chris is panting from the run and he's like, what? It's me. But Annie opens up the door and she says, get out of here before I call the police. But Chris stops her and, she, and he's like, Annie, it's me, Chris, Jake's friend. They got him. And then we look over at Annie and she says, I don't know who you are and I don't know any Jake. I'm calling the cops. This whole interaction is just. It doesn't. How did this happen so quickly? I, I don't know. This part of the story just makes the whole thing not make any sense. No, but I like this. I like the part where it erases him from existence. <laughs> I think it's cool. God, you're just like Annie. I know, and that old bitch at the, the reception counter. <laughs> so Chris stops her as she tries to walk away. And he's like, wait, Jake's your brother. What is it with you? Annie tells Chris she doesn't have her brother. Now get out of here. And then she grabs a potted plant and she raises it above her head. And then... <laughs> She's about to, like, fucking smash it with it, and it's really funny. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite part, is that she just grabs this potted plant and raises it over her head, and he's just, like, cowering a little bit. <laughs> I mean, being hit with a potted plant probably wouldn't be great. No, it sucked. And you know what? Props to Annie. You know, she, she, I think she did the right thing in this situation for her. I mean, this is just some strange kid. Coming in and blabbering nonsense. Ran into her house. Exactly. So Chris Chris is like, you're not kidding, are you? And she tells him no. And she's like, I'm going to bean you. But Chris runs away from her. And she, he goes deeper into the house. And, and he's like, I'll show you. Because he opens up the door to Jake's room. <laughs> and then we look inside. And Jake's stuff is gone. And the room is now just some sort of office. Yeah, of course. I don't know what he thought was going to happen. <laughs> like... He'd open the door, and it would be Jake's room like normal, and she'd be like, oh, yeah, I did have a brother. Or, oh, I've never been in this room before. <laughs> well, maybe... I mean, okay. I guess he thought she was just pranking him or something. Yeah, that's probably what he thought. But if she doesn't have a brother, this house is pretty big. It's nice looking. If she never had a brother in the first place, don't you think that would add, like change the flow of history to where this family didn't even need that big of a house? I don't know. There's a lot that doesn't make sense. No. Let's keep going. So Chris walks in saying, this is Jake's bedroom. And in walks Andy and she's like, you're going to get out of here or am I going to call the cops? And Chris says, the cops. 
Uh, yeah, you told us the story about the phone police and a kid named Billy Baxter. You know it? And Annie tells him, yeah, I know it. Except the way I heard it, they got a kid named O'Brien. A Jake O'Brien. Which doesn't make any sense because her last name is O'Brien yeah, still. Yeah, it would still be O'Brien, I would think. So she could make the connection there. Like, oh, this kid is talking about a Jake, O'Brien. O'Brien's my last name. It's the same kid in the phone police story. Maybe it is true. But it doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't know. I mean, I still wouldn't, like, jump to that connection. No, I guess. Because it doesn't make any sense. But it would be weird for her to be like, yeah, a Jake O'Brien. But that's her last name. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, why doesn't Chris forget? I don't know. Is it just because he was there when it happened? I guess so. You'd think if they could change the entire universe to make this one kid not exist, he would be affected as well. You would think, but he's not. I would think. It must just be because he was there. Well, back in the phone company prison, the phone police are taking in another screaming kid, like I said earlier, and that's where... I, I just don't get that. No, where's he going? I don't know. It contradicts exactly what that old man said, though, about how uh, they haven't had anybody in a while. And, you know, Jake figured it out so fast. Well, there's an equally small child being escorted into a cell. So it's like, what are you talking about? This apparently happens multiple times a day. That's making fucking sense. We go back with Chris and he's Dutch angling into a phone booth. The cam- camera pans down as he sum- thumbs through the phone book. We see a page again, and in much bigger letters than all the other names, we say Jake O'Brien. Chris says, man, these guys move fast. Why is the phone number in his name? Dude, I don't know. Both him and Billy Baxter, it would be under the parent's name, probably. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. I thought that same thing the first time when he opened up the phone book and seen Billy Baxter. I would have been like, no, it would have been under, like, you know... (laughs) Gerald Baxter. Reginald and Samantha Baxter. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, Chris tells him, man, these guys move fast. And I'm just like, yeah, they fucking bend reality instantly. Well, Chris looks around. He picks up the receiver. He puts money in. Beep boops in Jake's phone number. And in the cell, Jake picks up the ringing phone. He says, leave me alone, you crazy old man. But Chris is like, Jake, take it easy. It's me. And then Jake begs Chris to get him out. And this place is nuts. Uh, the acting in this scene is so bad. Yes, it is. It very much is. <laughs> He's like, I didn't do anything wrong. You gotta help me. And Chris tells him to calm down. And Jake's like, get Annie. Get my parents. And Chris is like, uh, I can't do that, Jake. Jake wants to know why. Because he's going to be stuck in there forever. And Chris tells him that this shit is weirder than you know. And the boys both agree that they're scared. But Chris has a plan that just might beat the phone police at their own game. So, fuck the phone police. They're, I don't, I don't understand their ethics, but whatever. We move inside, and Chris is riding the escalator up to the phone company. He's passing by that giant useless phone statue, and he looks over at that receptionist. He picks up a payphone, he calls Jake's number, and he ties a rubber band on the phone and puts the receiver down. So that it looks like it's hung up, but it's still going. And Jake's phone continues ringing as the old man in the basement yells at the kid to answer the phone. Because remember, one of the rules of operation is not to let the phone ring too long. Mm-hmm. With Chris, the receptionist looks over at him as he boops the elevator button. But then he looks back at her and she's filing her nails and he sneaks away from it? Yeah, he's sneaking around, but he doesn't really have to because the receptionist doesn't give a shit. No. What's she going to do? She thinks this kid took the elevator, so she's probably going to push the secret button again. And then he just creeps over 
to this doorway that leads to the stairs. Um, and he opens it and he goes down the stairs and then the door slams shut. So it seems a bit counterproductive because that lady's going to be like, what? Why'd the door slam shut? She doesn't care. Well, we never see her again anyway, but this part just didn't make any sense to me. Why'd they even do it? I don't get it. Chris makes his way to the basement where the old man yells again for the kid to answer the phone. The old man gets pissed and he walks over to take care of business. And that's when Chris makes his move. Move, Because Chris runs over behind the desk. He places this small ass piece of wood in the door before it closes. And then he walks down the hallway of the cells. The piece of wood that he puts in the door though, that would snap. Probably. The weight of the door would break that piece of wood. The weight of that door would break anything. It'd break your hand if you tried to like hold it with your hand. Yeah. So in this scene, Chris is walking very close behind the old man who's still yelling at the kid to answer his phone. And the old man says, listen, kid, you think you got it bad now? Just wait. I want to know what happens. What happens from here? Well, he probably would beat the shit out of that kid. There's no there's no actual you think? police. He doesn't you think have a they're family just beating anymore. people in there? Yeah, probably. What is, what is the end goal of the phone police? Does he get a trial? Get the riffraff off of the phone streets, man. Do they just die in those cells? Probably. And they just sweep up the bones and throw another kid in there? Well, it doesn't matter because even if they just like plopped the, the dead body in the middle of the city, nobody would be able to identify it because the person doesn't exist. Okay. It's the perfect Phones crime. haven't been around for that long, yeah. relatively. Mm-hmm. These are like omnipotent beings mm, controlling yes. phone company. What were these things doing before phones? The carrier pigeon police, Brandon. Hello. <laughs> Crank carrier pigeon messages? Yeah. Wonder if that was a thing. I mean, it's probably happened, right? Three weeks later, like, oh, God damn it. No, my icebox isn't running. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> I'm sure that somebody out there has sent a prank carrier pigeon message. I'm sure. Fuck. Stop. Off. Stop. <laughs> so the old man opens up Jake's cell door, and Jake is on all fours in front of that door. Chris runs up behind the old man and pushes him over, and the old man gently falls onto Jake's bed. <laughs> I love that part. It's pretty dope. He just, like, caresses the bed and, like, falls into it comfortably. And Jake and Chris, they get out of that cell, they slam the door shut, and they're like, let's get out of here. And the old man yells after them, and he's like, forget it, kid. No one gets away from the phone police. The kids run to the door leading back outside, and then they look through the little window, and they see phone police officer dudes, like, walking down the stairs, heading their way. So they run past the door, down the hallway, around the corner, and then the phone police guys, they march through that door, they kick Chris's little wooden stick away. And then the door closes, and Jake's like, no! But Chris leads them over down the, another hallway, and they find themselves in front of a gate as two more phone police guys march their way around a corner and into their view. Jake's like, oh man, they're all over the place. And then down the hall, we see the two phone, the two original phone police guys have let the old man out. And we get this camera zoomed in shot, and the old man's like, there they are! Get them, boys! So then they march after the kids who run further into this fucking dungeon. Some sort of ridiculous. It is. They make their way into another room that has more bars blocking their paths. So they do this little dance in front of it for some reason before they grab the bars. And Jake says, We're dead. But Chris grabs a small, flimsy little broom and he uses it to lock the door that they just came into by like pushing it into the handles of the door. 
And this broom is like, I don't know, a broom for a child? I don't even know. Well, yeah, the kids in the cells gotta clean up. (sighs) Makes no fucking sense. So Chris puts the broom into that, locking the door. And then he tries another door before giving Jake a little pep talk. You know, being like, oh, we're gonna be fine. And then he breaks the glass of another door behind them. And then they walk through it. And they go through this long hallway and they're like, oh, yeah, we're getting the fuck out of here. But then in front of them is another gate that they can't pass. So it's like, kids, you've seen that and you still ran towards it. I don't get it. These kids are stupid. <laughs> Where else are they going to go, though? I guess, but they could be like, oh, fuck, let's double back. I don't know. Let's try that other door again. Double back to the other dead end. They're trapped. They're trapped like rats. Okay, so back in the room, the buff police officers make quick work of that useless broom lock. (laughs) They bust into the room. The old man's like, there! And he points to the door, and he makes his way first through the broken glass door. Which is kind of weird, because don't you think the police officers would be like, alright, old man, we'll handle it from here. Yeah, he's keeping up with these police officers. It's kind of impressive, really. Yeah. So the gang of baddies runs down that same hallway that the two kids were literally just in. And they get to the end and the old man's like, now where did they? But he stops because some water dripped on his face and he looks up. We go back with Chris and Jake and they're op- Chris is opening up a manhole cover and he's like, coast is clear. And he helps Jake up. How did they get up there? I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. I didn't see a ladder. No. And what kind of water was that? Because it's not raining outside anymore. Did like one of the kids piss on them? It doesn't make any sense. The sewers are moist. I guess. Whatever. So the kids somehow fucking Superman flew up there and it doesn't make any sense. Chris is helping Jacob. We get a view of a police car that's rolling out of like a parking lot, like some sort of transformer. I don't know. It's about to chase these damn kids. So Jake gets up out of the sewer and he's like, thanks, man. And then we see a car in the distance with a shitty siren on. He drives past this alleyway it screeches to a stop then it backs up and heads down to chase these kids chris sees it and he shouts run as the car flies down that alley and the siren is wee wooing and beeping like a disconnected phone yeah they're like black vans and they've got two weird green sirens making like you said disconnected phone noises yeah like they stand out for sure if they're trying to be discreet (laughs) then it's not fucking working because everyone would be like who the hell is this weird phone police (laughs) yeah why is there a phone police the sound of a disconnected telephone is very distinct yeah (laughs) and that's their siren like what the fuck is a phone company doing out here with like that like what are they some sort of phone police yeah and then you get taken away yep and then your existence is gone don't question the phone police so the kids run away from the car with there's two police officers driving it. They hide in a dark door frame and the car just zips past them. And then the kids make their way to Jake's street that we seen earlier. And Chris is, of course, running like he's swimming again. This kid runs like with his arms flapping like he's doing laps at a pool. It's insane. It's just a pre Naruto run. Yeah. The kids stop in the middle of the road for some reason, and Jake's like, uh, oh, we made it. And then they high five between panted breaths. Chris is like, okay, listen, I gotta tell you something. After you got caught, I went to your house, 
And and then they look over and they see that fucking police car is pulling up near them because they were stupid enough to just start talking in the middle of the fucking road. And the sirens on, we wooing, and then they start running and screaming. And this car is about to plow into these kids, but they make their way to Jake's house. And then they open up the door and they slam it shut. And inside, Annie is there, and she's like, "What's up with you guys?" And Chris explains that, "Well, this is Jake. He's your brother. You got to remember him now." And Annie asks Jake where he gets his, his friends from. Like, you order them from the back of comic books. <laughs> Good one, Annie. Does existence change entirely depending on whether or not they're in that cell? Hmm. I guess Or maybe? the building? The property? Is there a line where as soon as he passes it, everyone in the world is changed? I feel like... Okay, if it's... The parents be- are on vacation or something at this point. Like, what the hell is it like for them? Well, even for Annie, too, or the room, like, imagine what kind of brain damage that's going to do if Jake went in and out of the cell and that's where the magic happened. Like, she'd be like, brother, Noah, brother, I have a brother, no, I don't, what? <laughs> like, imagine her brain. She's not thinking killed. about him anyway. <laughs> okay, right. I'll give you that. But like, <laughs> just like the the meticulous twitch tweaking around in her brain, like, think about all the <laughs> the damage that could cause. <laughs> yeah I don't really feel bad for her though <laughs> okay fine feel bad for everybody else in like his school that sure <laughs> brains are getting tweaked too <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so Chris in disbelief asks if she remembers who he is and he's like yeah in fact I- I'd like to forget him if I could and Chris runs over, opens up Jake's door to his room, and it's back to normal. And then he runs out, and he tells Jake about it, even though Jake didn't know anything about this in the first place. About how his room changed at all, because Chris never told him. And Annie asks, What are you two yams talking about? It's not really a devastating insult. I would think that uh, calling somebody a yam is like in a term of endearment, but well, whatever. Yeah. The doorbell rings, and Chris is like, don't answer it. It's the phone police. And Annie tells them that they've lost it. And she's like, phone police? I made that up. And Jake's like, yeah, it's true. They got me. And she's like, yeah, I wish. And so she answers the door. And in walks one of those police officer looking guys. Who um, kind of looks like Will Arnett to me. With a... A little bit, yeah. A silly mouse hat on his head. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Do they just have that in the back of the van? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I kind of want it in the back of my van. I don't have a van. <laughs> He's got this pizza in his hands, too. And the kids, uh, by the way, are, like, horrified in the corner. They're, like, trying to block each other, like, scared. And he's, like, got a pizza here. One large, extra cheese. All dressed up. Hold the anchovies. And Annie looks at the boys, and she's like, did you guys order pizza? And they shake their heads. The delivery police guy, he looks outside at the address of the house. And he says, Oh, jeez, sorry. It's 238, not 328. And he tips his mouse hat to him, and he walks out the door. What was the point of that? I don't know. Maybe to, like, instill fear into these kids a little bit more? I don't know. By being a pizza delivery man who's got the wrong house number? Dude, I don't even know. This episode doesn't make any fucking sense. I can't even (laughs) explain it in any way. It does not. (laughs) And he laughs at the boys because they they bought the story about the phone police. They're so gullible. And the boys silently run to Jake's room, and Jake lies down on his bed because he's exhausted, as he says out loud that he's exhausted. (laughs) 
And Chris asks if it really happened, and we look outside the window. The delivery guy walks to his police officer-looking car, and he rips off the pizza decal, revealing the phone company logo. And then the camera looks at Jake's shitty red phone. It rings, and we hear Billy Baxter laugh as the tale ends. So Billy's back in prison? I don't think he ever left prison, man. (laughs) You think he's still just in there? Yeah, I do. The only part I don't really understand about it is why did everything change to Jake's name in the phone books, but... Maybe Jake's name is also in the phone books because it's not like Jake's Jake O'Brien starts with a B. So maybe they're both in there. I don't know. I don't understand anything about the logic of this episode. No, I don't either. I couldn't even hazard a guess. You know what? I can forgive the weird disjointed plot points. If this just was acted well, I would probably like this episode a lot more. But given I, what I would it like is, this episode a lot more if it was acted better or if it was acted worse. It's yeah. just bad enough that it's not that entertaining. No, you're right. I think that's a good point. I like the idea of the phone police. I like the idea of this secret society or whatever. But the changing reality thing is a step too far for me. And I wish that wasn't a part of this. I think I like that part if it was just done better that it breaks down for me at that point and i don't understand what's going on or why it's just magic yeah just magic just because yeah just a company that wants to steal children it's basically sex trafficking i mean it's scary enough to be like kidnapped and put into prison but then they're just like magicked out of existence it makes no fucking sense man i don't even think there's anything more to say about the episode no Bad acting. Back with the Midnight Society, we get a first-person camera shot of somebody in the woods walking towards the kids by the campfire. As Tucker's phone voice says, Chris and Jake never made another prank phone call because they were never sure if the phone phone police were really real or if they could believe anything else they ever saw again. So they just leave live in a state of like suspended disbelief at everything now. It's the, yep. It's the ultimate gaslight. They've gaslit themselves. For all eternity. Yeah, to the, for the rest of their lives. And Tucker's walking out of the woods towards Frank. He gets real close to his face, and then he yells, The end! Which scares Frank. The kids all laugh. Man, I really wish Frank would have punched him. That's what I would have done if I were Frank. I would have been like, Oh, it's another one of those fucking wolves out for more blood. You know? Yeah. Betty Ann tells Tucker that it was a great story, and then Kiki runs up and does the same. Declare... (laughs) Gary declares (laughs) the meeting closed. (laughs) And Tucker pushes the button on the phone, and then the phone on the throne rings, and all the kids scream, I'll get it! And they run over to the throne, which doesn't make any sense because that was no. not the point of the story at all. They're usually scared of the things that happen in the story. Yeah. This time they were And they're like, oh, fuck. It. Oh, I don't want to play the game, or I don't want to, I don't know, do whatever, but. I don't want to play hide and seek. No, this time... Yeah, they usually get scared. The thing that was actively the enemy in the episode, they're like, oh, get it! Like, kids, did you not even listen to the story? <laughs> Maybe they were just like, that story was shit. <laughs> that could be it, yes. Gary and Tucker high-five. The kids all turn around and watch as Gary throws the water on the fire while the phone is still ringing. I don't understand what just happened, but whatever. The end of the episode ends, and that's it. We're, we're done. Phone police will probably never talk about it again. I'll probably forget it existed. We're done. 
No memorable lines. No. I mean, they were, but it's just because they were acted so terribly. I'm, I mean, the clips will probably be fun, but... I'm not going to be saying, what? <laughs> yeah, Every <you> episode. <laughs> yes, you will. Remember that, remember that time he was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Uh, yeah, I think this might be one of the most forgettable episodes uh, that we've had so far, honestly. Yeah. I'm forgetting about it as we speak. Me too, man. What were we talking about? I don't know. So the moral of the story for me is don't trust the phone company. They want to take your money. They want to put you in a cell and they want to erase your existence. It's very clear even today that that's what the phone companies want. Just don't answer the phone. Or that. That's a good one. Nobody has phone like landlines anymore anyway, so we're good there. No. And even with a cell phone, if anybody's calling me, it's someone I don't want to talk to. That's true. Otherwise, you would just message me. Good point, yeah. But I will give this episode credit. The Tale of the Phone Police was this episode. I mean, that was... I mean, that's what it's about. That's really the only name that it could have. I mean, we could try to give some more, but I don't think they're going to be as good as the Phone Police, because that's this episode. That's all it deserves. <laughs> it really is, honestly. Um, I can't even think of any. Like, the Tale of the Shitty Sister, the... The Tale of Phone Company... The tale of the prank calls. I don't know. The tale of the wasted juice. Yeah, right. That's all I got. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. Okay. All right. Up next, Brandon, season three, episode five, The Tale of the Doll Maker. Mm. Who do you think is going to be telling this one? I'm going to say Betty Ann. Okay. Yeah. That's a good guess. <laughs> I like Betty Ann. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be somebody. I mean, it's one of somebody. I'm going to go. You know, it's the doll maker, so it's probably a girl, and we have Kiki, Betty, Ann, or Sam. That's so sexist. Shut up. <laughs> I don't think Frank's going to be talking about a doll maker. He could. I guess. Uh, well, anyway, what do you think the tale of the doll maker is going to be about? I think it's about someone who makes dolls. So he makes dolls. <laughs> so there's some kind of doll maker. <laughs> um yeah i guess somebody makes a doll it comes to life or tries to kill somebody like what else could it okay, be about so, like a chucky kind of ordeal i guess scary doll okay it's been it's been right, done cool. i think that could be fun regardless dolls are creepy so they are yeah this one i'm sure it's gonna be better than this, the phone police that we just watched i hope so Otherwise, season three is going to be hitting a bit of a rough patch. Well, yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I, I have high hopes for this episode in comparison to Phone Police, anyway. Okay. All right, Brandon. Well, that's all I got today. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired. I'm cold. Sick and tired of Phone Police. I, I don't want to even talk about the Phone Police ever again. Let's banish this one from the records. Sorry, guys, this has been a lull in the, what? In the podcast. <laughs> but I'm going to bed, man. I've been up all night. Pretty tired. Yeah. It's like fucking midnight over there. Oh, it's Actually, late. it's like one o'clock in the morning over there, isn't it? Yes. Oh, my God. Let's get to bed. All right, everybody. I'm out of here. Bye, you guys. Bye.
was talking about.